I want to see a societal shift um, and acceptance of masturbation, of sexuality, sexuality across the board. It doesn't matter what your preference is, what your gender is, how you identify, but nobody should be receiving shame. Welcome to the Global League of Women, also known as The Glow. We bring together the female voices that address critical issues, stories, and thoughts that affect every aspect of our lives, from business and health to politics and personal struggles. My name is Lisa Carmen Wang, founder and CEO of The Glow, and I believe that stories are the catalyst for change and storytellers the unsung heroes of our time. Change begins with women who have the courage to speak up and challenge the status quo. Are you a woman who's redefining the narrative? Join us. We need your voice. Hey everyone. Before we get started, I'm excited to tell you about the Glow 21 Day Self-Love Challenge that's kicking off next Monday, January 13th. It's an incredible opportunity to start the new year by committing to the most important relationship in your life, the one with yourself. As part of the challenge, you'll receive 21 daily self-love lessons delivered straight to your inbox, your very own Glow self-love journal, and accountability through a powerful community of women who are all committed to self-love and growth. Throughout these 21 days, you'll learn how to let go of self-doubt, limiting beliefs, body shame, and perfectionism once and for all. When you truly love yourself, you will discover just how easy it is to start getting exactly what you want. It's been a truly transformational journey for me. So head on over to www.theglow.org, that's T-H-E-G-L-O-W.org, to sign up for the challenge ASAP. We are so excited to make 2020 the best year yet for you. Now... On to today's episode. I met today's guest, Laura Haddock, at the Forbes 30 Under 30 conference, where she was on stage speaking about sex. In particular, she was speaking about women's sexual health, sexual shame, and the holy grail of orgasms. Why? Well, Laura is the founder of an award-winning sex tech product called Osei. It's a robotic massager for hands-free, blended orgasms. What's crazy is that 35% of the female population has never experienced an orgasm before. So after leaving medical school, Laura was determined to create a company that gave women the fundamental right to explore and understand her own sexual pleasure. Last year, Laura received the Robotics Innovation Award for Osei. But then, out of the blue, the award was revoked because the Consumer Technology Association deemed women's sex toys inappropriate. In this episode, she reads the letter she wrote in response to the CTA, which created a critical public conversation around women's health and gender equity in tech. You'll learn why women's body shame and sexual shame is so closely tied to outdated societal norms and media narratives. And you'll learn how self-love, in all of its forms, is truly the most powerful first step we can take. Gender bias at CES is stifling innovation. 
Everything that we do at Laura Carlo is rooted in sex positivity and inclusion. We don't hide what we do, and we firmly believe that women and non-binary, gender non-conforming, and LGBTQ plus people should be vocally claiming our space and pleasure in tech, both of which are still heavily dominated by male CEOs and executives. We also believe that society needs to drop the taboo around sex and sexuality. It's a part of life and health that absolutely should be part of mainstream discourse. No shaming, no embarrassment, just the comfort of freedom to be yourself and enjoy your own body. That's why we submitted our first ever product, Osei, for the CES Innovation Awards. That's a consumer electronics show, one of the most coveted awards in tech and the perfect example of a space that needs to be shaken up and diversified. You see, we're doing something that has never really been done before. We're making the world's first hands-free de device for the holy grail of orgasms. The blended orgasm. Our almost entirely female team of engineers is developing micro-robotic technology that mimics all the sensations of the human mouth, the tongue, and fingers for an experience that actually feels just like a real partner. Laura DiCarlo was selected as a CES 2019 Innovations Awards Honoree in Robotics and Drones. No, we don't make drones. Product category for the Osei Personal Massager. And it was vetted by the Consumer Technology Association, or the CTA, which owns and produces CES. And then a panel of independent expert judges in robotics scored it highly across all judging criteria. They saw the same marvel of cutting edge technology that we did. A product that pushes the limits of engineering and design and opens the door to even bigger leaps in innovation beyond even the sex tech uses. Laura DiCarlo joined a small percentage of other products that were awarded such a coveted award honor each year. This feather in our collective cap made years of research and engineering even more worthwhile and further validated our vision for creating innovative, inclusive products that change lives. My team rejoiced and celebrated. A month later, our excitement and pre preparations were cut short. When, they, when we were unexpectedly that the administrators at CES and CTA were rescinding our award, and that subsequently that we would not be allowed to even showcase OSE or even exhibit at CES 2019. Why? CES keeps changing their story. The CTA has been extremely cagey on why they took away the award. Their first excuse was to cite this rule buried in their legalese. <clears throat> Entries deemed by the CTA in their sole description to be immoral, obscene, indecent, profane, or not in keeping with CTA's image will be disqualified. CTA reserves the right in its sole discretion to disqualify any entry at any time. Putting aside for a moment the implication that women's sexual wellness products are somehow immoral or obscene, if we didn't fit their policy, how in the world did our application ever get past the first round of vetting by CTA staff, let alone receive high marks across the board from their expert judges. Other sex toys have exhibited at CES and some have even won awards, but apparently there's something different, something threatening about Osei, a product created by women to empower women.
Then, in an even more insulting and frankly ridiculous assertion, Gary Shapiro, the CTA president and CEO, and Karen Chupka, their executive VP, sent a letter stating that our product was actually ineligible for robotics and drones category entirely. Seriously? Our product that was designed in partnership with a top university robotics engineering laboratory, Oregon State University, actually has the number four ranked robotics lab in the U.S. Inspiring the genesis of OSU professor John Pernvizzotti's prototype development lab. OSE is the subject of eight patents pending and counting for robotics, biomimicry, and engineering feats. We have a team of absolutely genius women and LGBTQ plus engineers, and a few wonderful men, working on every aspect of this product, including a doctor of mechanical engineering with an expertise in robotics and AI. OSE clearly fits the robotics and drones category and the CTA's own expert judges agree. CES and the CTA have a long documented history of gender bias, sexism, misogyny, and double standards, much like the tech industry as a whole. From the exclusion of female founders and executives to the lack of female-focused products allowed to exhibit on the floor, there are demonstrable issues with diversity. Gary Shapiro has even defended the use of scantily clad booth babes while denying that there is a hostile environment for women at CES. We've seen token concessions like the attempted 50-50 split of female and male keynote speakers in 2019 after all an all-male lineup in 2017 and 2018, but sadly it's just cosmetic. It's not tricking, trickling down to who's allowed a seat at the table. Only one out of 100 CES Best of Innovation Award winners were female-founded. Or that's what we could find. The data is tough to come by. CES is stifling innovation. At its core, these biases smother innovation by blocking accesses to funding, exposure, and consumers that could take brands and products to the next level. You never know where that technology could be used. The future of healthcare might be in the patent of a sex toy. But if CES and the CTA are so intent on keeping women and sex tech out, I guess we'll never find out. So the question in the end is, why is CES threatened by empowered women and the products that empower them? My team and I will be asking these questions at CES and we'll continue asking them. We're fighting for our seats at the table and we're fighting for yours too. How does it feel even reading that letter now after you know, so many months have passed. I haven't read that letter in a while, I'll be honest. We're kind of busy, like, trending towards launch right now, so it was a little emotional, actually. It was, like, kind of uh, made some some emotions well up that, um, I don't know, like that, that fight-or-flight feeling, I suppose. <laughs> You're like, yeah, that's right, and oh, yeah, we, we actually won, <laughs> and we actually were able to change some of those policies. So it's a continuous fight, and I know that... Uh, you know, we're not done yet. Um, whether it's whether it's at the Consumer Electronics Show um, or it's moving on to something else and something bigger. Oh, God, God forbid, bigger. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just for the listeners, tell us about OSE. So OSE was actually um, designed, 
with some really grassroots approaches and data early on. Um, it was actually because I had an orgasm when I was about 28. And the sensations that I felt and, and how I got there was just so mind-blowing. I wanted to recreate that. But in order to do that, I needed a bunch of data that I, I had to literally go out and ask people like face-to-face, like, hey, where's your clitoris? And where's your, <laughs> where's your G-spot? And um, I was in healthcare at the time, so it... Um, you know, it helped. So I was able to walk people through that. But what the product actually does is it stimulates both the clitoris and the G-spot at the same time using biomimicry or the mimicry of human motions. So we're trying to recreate the sensations that you get with a partner for a really, really awesome and intimate experience. So, but what's special about this is we don't use vibration. I wanted to eliminate that entirely. Secondly, I wanted something that could actually fit just about anyone. So the entire thing is extremely flexible and you can move it into the, the right position for your anatomy such that it stays. And the third thing we wanted was for it to be hands-free. So part of that design allows you to form it into the position that fits your body, find just the right spots, and then free your hands for a really cool experience. Mm. What do you think the the amount of excitement around your product says about women and their satisfaction in their sexual life? It's, well, for first of all, I mean, um, so we're here at Forbes, right? And I was on stage yesterday just speaking about just this. Um, and we know, we actually did a survey of over 1,500 individuals um, and actually 1,700 if you can count the 200 some, uh, some odd men uh, that have partners that buy toys like this, um, or buy products like this, I should say, because this is not a toy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and we found that in our own study, only that 35% of, of females or people with vaginas are not having orgasms frequently with sex. And that number's too big for me. Um, and that tells me, and what we discovered from this survey is that a lot of those people, those 35% are less familiar with their bodies and their anatomical structures. They're less comfortable talking to their partners about sex. Um, and they, they're just not as comfortable or empowered in their bodies, but the people that are having regular orgasms, they are, they're the perfect persona of somebody who's empowered. They know where their clitoris and their G-spot is. They are comfortable talking to their partner about it. They, they just, they feel comfortable in their bodies and they're really willing to explore. So what we're aiming to do with Osei is, is help people understand their bodies better. This product doesn't just, it's not just, hey, like put it in and you have an orgasm. You have to kind of explore your body a little bit. You have to, you have to really explore how it fits you, what kind of sensations you like, and, and Osei's designed to help you do that. So find those spots and then figure out just what you like there. And that's empowering, knowing that you do have control over your body, knowing that that you do have agency over your body. And then you can actually turn around and if you have a partner, tell them, actually, this is what I like. I know this because I figured it out using a product nonetheless, but um, it, it, it helps to educate people. And 
that actually spans out into bigger spaces. It spans out into the boardroom. It spans out into conversations with your employer. It spans into conversations with your doctor. You can actually be allowed to have a, become a better patient advocate for yourself when you know more about your own body. So they're really excited, but I think the ones that... Uh, the ones that know a little bit less about their body are a little bit timid, and we've had a lot of people think that, oh, I'm broken, mm. or there's something wrong with me, I'm not gonna, that's not gonna happen for me. And um, I'll do you one better, we actually did a, a blind user test study with the product, and we had people that told us they were broken. We had somebody say, no, um, I don't have internal vaginal orgasms. That doesn't happen for me. I'm broken. It's okay though. I'll try it anyway. And you know what happened? She had a vaginal orgasm. She had a full blended orgasm. She actually first described it as, well, I had a clitoral orgasm, but it was really, really way more intense (laughs) than I've ever had before. And we kind of laughed and said that was actually a blended orgasm because your G-spot is actually a part of your clitoris. It's the same erogenous tissue. So when you're stimulating both sides, you get this really mind-blowing orgasm. And that's what happened to her. And we had several instances where people didn't like clitoral orgasms and they, they just, it wasn't for them. But they described product as, uh, they described Osei as being, oh my God, holy shit, it was like somebody was licking the crap out of my clit and it was amazing. Like, like somebody that actually knew what they were doing. And we went, okay, that's good. <laughs> that's, that's what we were going for. Yeah. So we're hoping that it'll start unwrapping the shame and the stigma that, that's wrapped around sex and sex products um, because there's nothing wrong with sex and that's what we believe. And I think what you've touched on is something that is really important, which is that the everything around a woman's confidence, her comfort in herself is rooted in how she feels about her body. Yeah. And that body shame that we've been programmed throughout history to just, it's almost like a part of our DNA Mm -hmm. now, right? Yeah, I mean, it's the way I, you know, I've suffered from that as well. Like, I think everybody has on some, and and you know what, men men deal with it a little bit too, but on, I mean, comparatively on a minute level. I mean, but I remember growing up just, just, you know, you'd look at magazines, you look at Teen Vogue, you'd look at like all sorts of spreads when I was in, junior high even and we start doing this when we're children we start looking at what the media tells us to look like and we start shaming ourselves at a very young age Mm -hmm. so that's actually what we're aiming for um i've actually had several uh opportunities that have come at us where we can actually speak to um younger folks i've spoken to high school students i've spoken to younger folks than that um actually had a chance to talk with a bunch of the very young women from black girls who code when i was in san Mm. francisco at TechCrunch holy crap, what a bunch of amazing young women. And when I told them that we own a a sex tech robotics company, they just like minds blown and they're like, tell me more. They're hungry for knowledge. They want to know more about their bodies and at that young age. But um, at the same time, I want to do that same service for everybody of all ages. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some people might kind of, you know, uh, you know, lower their brow at the fact that I'm talking to kids about sex. But you know, why do you think you had that shame in the first place? Mm-hmm. If you're in your 50s and you're shaking your head because we're talking to kids, um, it's probably because you never got the education you should have in the first place. We're not educating our kids. 
not in the way that we should be. And we're, we're shaming them before they even get the chance to really discover their own bodies. Mm-hmm. And then we end up with adults like you and me that go, that don't even want to talk about it because we're afraid to, because we were always told that it's not okay. Yeah. Um, I think about just even the entire historical narrative of the quote unquote pure woman, right? The, <laughs> the, you mean the Madonna whore complex? <laughs> um, yeah. and, and you think about the, there's this irony of we're saying like a lot of people can't talk about it. And yet, um, you know, a whole separate issue is child sex trafficking, oh, right? God. Which is never, we yeah. have never seen such high numbers and we're at like record level of child sex trafficking. Right. And you know, like it's who's, who's perpetuating that? It is older men, yeah. right? Older, rich men who are buying these kids. And so we're saying that we can't talk about sex, but here's what's happening to yeah. children, right? Absolutely. To girls. I mean, these, these young kids don't have agency over their own bodies because they don't know what's going on. Nobody's told them. Nobody's educated them. Nobody's ever told them that you have autonomy over your own body and you have every single right and, and they should know, I don't think, they, they don't even know what's what's wrong or right because nobody's ever told them. Yeah. And that's that's truly unfortunate, but, and unfortunately, I don't know that that's, you know, this is, these are things that we can fix in our lifetime, but we can sure as hell start making a dent right now. Yeah. And for, for women too, it's, you know, again, going back to this, the, the pure virgin kind of thing, it, mm. it perpetuates into our society, like just modern day where, you know, women are still shamed for being quote unquote sluts and hoes oh, yeah. and, you know, every bad name that you can call a woman. And it's, and I think that there's this interesting period in time right now where there's the beginning of actual, like sexual liberation. Yeah. And it's, but we're still so entrenched in that fear of what will people say if they find out I have multiple sexual partners, right, you know? Right. Or, or even just, one or two or I've been with a few people right. It actually um my my first exposure to this because I was I come from a very open family and we talked about it and then that's probably why I have no shame and I'm mm. absolutely just like yeah whatever vaginas hello um when I was at uh, Norwich University it's a private military university that I went to in the Navy um one of our our staff sergeants we were on a uh everything was army structured um one of our staff sergeants pulled all the females into one room and we thought we were in huge trouble we thought we were in so much deep shit and uh and she was just like everyone at ease we need to talk about something like if you want a career in the military we need to have this conversation and we were like okay what's going on and she basically gave everybody this uh this decision to make she said you all have a decision to make you can pick one or the other you can't pick neither because you might as well just get the hell out you're either going to be a bitch or a slut. And we went, what does that mean? Well, you can be a bitch. You can say, no, um, I'm not going on this date. I'm not going to kiss that guy. I'm not like, I'm going to turn this guy down. You can turn somebody down and you are automatically going to be labeled a bitch. Um, or you go out with someone, you kiss someone, God forbid you sleep with someone. Um, you will be labeled a slut. You, you have to pick one. You got to stick with it. And her response was, and if you pick the latter, 
you might as well get the fuck out now. Wow. And that was really just like, why do we need to do that? <laughs> um, and I was like, I was like, no, I can definitely be both. And I, I think I kind of finagled, like, how do I be both? Mm. But the other thing that just blows me away is how we, because you were talking about that, that pure, like women are supposed to be chaste and pure. But the other, the other side of the coin is that, you know, those chaste and pure, uh, when they go and they get married and then they're expected to be sluts in the bed. They're mm. expected to know everything. So let's say that you stay chaste and pure and then you get married and then he's like, and then you're supposed to be like this total rock star in bed, but you don't have any experience. So there's really no way to win the game. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so with this, with this product, um, with Ose, you know, <clears throat> what are you hoping like the landscape will look like, let's just say a year from now after it's been out? Um, I really hope that those that aren't that 35% can really, I hope that they become more a part of a movement, um, that they're more, because they might be, uh, a little bit more, uh, open to their sexuality and talking about sex, but I want people to talk about it really openly. Mm. I want people to, to, to talk about it in social media, to talk about it in the news. And we're seeing that it's, we're, we're seeing a groundswell. And I want to see that turn into a tidal wave. And then for the, the 35% that don't experience those, those orgasms, and they're maybe a little bit uh, more shy about it, I just want them to explore themselves. I want them to be comfortable with themselves. But I want to see a societal shift um, and acceptance of masturbation, of sexuality, sexuality across the board. It doesn't matter what your preference is, what your gender is, how you identify, but nobody should be receiving shame and that's that's how we feel and we want to share that with the world we want like i know that just about everybody we talk to i mean nobody has an issue with other people's gender other people's identities and there are a good amount that that do and they're so loud and they are so offensive we want to Honestly, we just want to bury them hmm. with our voices. So I, I think that there's there's a couple things that we're touching on, which is just this the vocalization of acceptance mm-hmm. um, and removing the shame that we give other people that I think comes from someone's own personal shame, right? It's kind of oh, what we yeah. do onto others yeah. when we're uncomfortable Absolutely. with it ourselves. Yes, yeah. um, so I see in this narrative, there's... You, even with what happened to you at CES, like the there's men who are saying that they, you know, it's like the perpetuation of this patriarchal narrative, like right. suppress the female liberation of sexuality. But there's also on the other side of the coin, women who shame other women. Oh yeah. And yeah. Um, what do you what are you seeing on that side? Um, I mean, we have we I've seen it manifest itself in in small ways. Um, and just just kind of women that roll their eyes. But honestly, I haven't seen it on a, on a big scale. One one instance that that does pop out in my mind is actually um, the founder of Lioness, Liz Klinger, um, uh, a sex tech product that actually takes in data about your orgasm. Um, she was uh, at the Women in Tech event in San Francisco that's put on uh, by Samsung, and one person complained, a woman complained and said, well, this makes me feel uncomfortable as far as I can tell. Um, and they removed her 
They asked her to leave. She had a booth and she was there talking to, con- to interested consumers who wanted to know, and this is a data product that tells you about your orgasm, about what's actually going on with your body. And people were interested. And they actually asked her to leave because it made one woman uncomfortable. Mm. And that's what happens when, honestly, when we need to police our own. Like, that is not acceptable. Just because one woman is uncomfortable, I'm sorry, then you need to go home. It's a, it's a, it's a tech show. Mm-hmm. This is tech. Sex tech is tech. Sexual health and wellness is health and wellness. There's no way, there's, there's no conversation around that that you can tell me, oh, it's not health and wellness. What sex and masturbation does for you on a physiological and emotional level is absolutely, like, it absolutely is health and wellness. And so, yeah, women, we need to be policing our own. And honestly, a lot of it, again, has to do with education. A lot of those women are shaming others because they feel shamed themselves. Mm -hmm. And that actually bleeds into another point I wanted to make was that I don't want to say that when I said earlier, we should just bury those voices. We need to educate them. And there are a lot of opportunities for education. There is, there are small, like, small curiosities that I see come from people who look clearly shamed, who look very troubled, and they're just curious. And what you can do with somebody like that, if they say, well, how am I supposed to, like, I'll I'll give you the story. Um, Our uh, director of manufacturing, when he started with us, he is an older, white, cis, hetero male. And he is like, we tease him, we're like, you are definitely part of the patriarchy. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, I know. He's also a yak farmer. I mean, you can't get any more like, oh, I love the guy. He's just, he's, he's amazing. And, but he's, he's just curious. And he asked one day, I think the question was, well, how do I know what somebody's pronouns are? Like, I don't want to offend somebody. What do I do? And somebody's response was, you can go Google it. And I about flipped my lid. I was like, mm. no, do not go, do not tell that man to go Google it. Like, like you don't have the time. Like, for us at Laura Carlo, we want to be educators. So I don't want to ever disparage anyone for having a curiosity, for being willing and able to start a conversation that could educate them more in order to become more inclusive. So we turned around and said, and, and told him, no, it's okay. Like, if you're not sure what somebody's pronouns are, say, Hi, my name's Mark. My pronouns are he and him. What are yours? That is perfectly okay to ask somebody what their pronouns are. If anything, it's going to show that you have the willingness and ability to be an ally, to be an advocate. But when you tell somebody to go fucking Google it, all you do is you shut them down and they don't ever want to ask anybody that question ever again. And then you've lost that ability, that partnership, that ability to have somebody as an ally or or, or an advocate, and we do the same thing to women too. Women that are are looking at people in the LGBTQ space or people that are open sexually, and they, like, I see it as a cry for help. If they're gonna like nitpick at you and be like, oh, well that's just dirty. And it's like, well clearly you need to be educated. So somebody's gotta do it, and more of us need to be doing it. We need to be educating people. If you know more about the subject, Share your education. I know it's not your responsibility to educate the public, but if you see the willingness in someone to become a potential advocate or an ally, dive in. We need more. And I think what you've touched upon is 
um, really harnessing the power that we have of empathy, right? Yeah. Of seeing someone for for who they are and perhaps not for, you know, immediate malice, <laughs> which <laughs> right? is, which is, I think that, you know, oftentimes we just, we go around and re, we react, yeah. right? And the, that example of that woman who was saying like, I'm uncomfortable and felt the need to bring down, you know, yeah. this, the lioness founder. Um, and in the, at the same time, there's like the reaction backwards where it's like, we don't need you if you don't understand what we're doing, then that creates the sort of animosity that I think, um, ended up swelling in terms of the, even the Me Too movement, right? Whereas yes. now there's a lot of people, um, men and women, who are just saying it's, the the root of it was necessary, right? We needed this to happen, but it's reached yeah. a point where yeah. it is, um, it's perhaps causing more harm because of all the finger pointing and animosity. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is unfortunate. Um, I, I definitely had my own, like, like, Me Too revelation, actually, when, and it's very late in the game, too. Mm-hmm. I was, this was probably a little bit more than a year ago, maybe, maybe even that. Um, and, and I realized like, I thought I was a very strong person. I'm like, I'm fine. I'm like, and it turns out, no, I had that shit buried so deep that I didn't know it was there. And, um, but I think, I mean, from pain and from strife comes strength. And that's what we're seeing right now. I mean, if, Sorry to say, but if CES hadn't, you know, mm. stepped in it so hard, uh, we wouldn't have had the opportunity to have this conversation in the way that we did. Um, you know, if we, if somebody hadn't been very uh, outlandishly talking about how he just grabbed somebody in the pussy, we probably wouldn't be having as many Me Too conversations as we as we do now, and. Um, unfortunately sometimes these things are necessary for us to find our strength and I mean in at the end of the day I hope we've found that strength we can eliminate uh, eliminate our oppressors or at least educate them yeah I always say that um, your wound may not be your fault but your reaction and your recovery is your responsibility absolutely yeah I love that (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so what's next for you guys what what's uh, after Osei. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll be launching a couple of products, um, not launching for sale, but we'll be showcasing some products uh, when we're at CES uh, that will be coming out shortly thereafter um, alongside Osei. And uh, we have quite a few activations going on uh, in Vegas at that time we're really excited about. So fingers crossed there. Um, and then we're looking at creating a, a line of products um, in the same form or in the same uh, uh, kind of idea as Osei, all that biomimicry that like feels like a human partner um, throughout uh, the rest of the year. And where we're going after that, we're, we're having conversations around um, the commercialization of um, soft robotics. Uh, which has not been done yet. Uh, we have R&D projects going um, going on where the trans community is concerned. Um, we've got products and conversations around how we can serve males as well. Um, because, like I said, we want to be wholly inclusive. And at Laura DiCarlo, we're not entirely we're not an all female team. Um, we have males, females, non-binary, gender non-conforming, LGBTQ folks, um, and. And everybody kind of comes together and we, we create like 
all of these like really, really thoughtful products. Everything is very data-driven and we want to bring everybody to the table to discuss what our next product is. So um, yeah, we've got a big launch coming up and we're going to continue this conversation. We're going to continue the fight. And um, I'm just like, right now we're so focused on CES and, and getting this product out. We're pretty excited about it. So super exciting. Yeah. Yeah. We've got, it's, uh, oh, we definitely have big goals. That's for sure. Yeah. So as you're building this and you're obviously becoming more and more public, the product's about to ship. Do you ever experience imposter syndrome? <laughs> <laughs> um, literally on a minute by minute basis. Um, when I'm in the boardroom, when I'm talking to consumers, when I'm talking to my employees, it's constantly, I, I feel like, do I deserve this? Maybe I don't deserve this. How did I get here? And, um, you know, I think about, you know, when I was a kid, I knew I, I knew I deserved this. I knew I get to be there. I knew I was smart enough. And it can be absolutely, it's so detrimental. And I think at one point, um, I just decided, you know what, I'm just going to go with it. It's going to be there. It's going to be this little nasty gnome that sits behind my ear and just goes, you're not worthy. And I'm going to ride right through it. And I guess it's um, that idea that, you know, you fake it until you make it. And then at some point, I don't think the imposter syndrome ever goes away. You just, you kind of learn to deal with it and you learn to fight it and you go, no, I actually am worthy. I, I do deserve to be here. And I was dealing with it when I was like early on when I get on stage and I'm just emphatic about orgasms and empowerment and all these things. And then and people are like, how do you do that? And I'm like, oh, my God, so hard. I try so hard. And um, it's just I think it's important to understand that we all have it and, um, and that we all are actually worthy. Yeah. And enough, right? I've, in my I talk about enoughness a lot, which is like the feeling of never being enough. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have this, I used to have this, well, and I still do, it's this motto of never be satisfied, because mm. you can always be better, and I remember telling that to somebody at some point, like, a few years ago, and they're like, that sounds really negative, and I was like, no, it just means that I always have room to improve. I'm never going to be perfect. I think I used to think that perfection was the goal. Mm. Perfection is, is, it's a dream, it's not, it's not attainable, yeah. but we can always strive to be a little bit better. Yeah. And I think that all of that kind of goes hand in hand. And as long as I can just get it done at the end of the day mm -hmm. and move towards the next goal and always taking action, I mean, shit, that's enough. Yeah. It's it's funny. I had a um, – I'm just like that, just like insatiably curious, always wanting to grow, pushing yeah. the limits. And I remember a, a breakup conversation I had with a – ex-partner and one of the things that really indicated for me is you know we were trying to work out uh, a, a challenge that we we're going through and I said I'm willing to step it up I'm willing to change and you know really invest in this relationship yeah. and he said I don't believe people change Ooh. I don't yeah like I'm Heard that not gonna change yeah. and I was like well I think that's a reflection of you <laughs> And right? your inability to change, but believe me, I'm always changing and yeah. growing and just getting stronger. Absolutely, and I, I absolutely agree. I've been through that exact same conversation with partners past. And, um, you know, I think I've even been a perpetuant for that thought, like, oh, people don't change. Yeah, they do. 
They absolutely do. It's, it depends on the human being. Like, and you just have to understand, like, when you can embrace the, the idea that, yes, I do believe you can, that I can change, then you can. Yeah, it's all mental. Yeah. And what would you say to the woman who might be hesitating and saying, well, I, I'm not a sex toy kind of person. I've never tried it before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know about this thing. Uh, it's never too late, and now is always, always the time. Um, this isn't just a sex toy. It's, it's a tool to help you discover your own body more, and everyone should be doing that. Everyone should know more about themselves. Um, and there's nothing shameful about sex. And this could actually help that person erase some of that shame. Yeah, I, I totally agree in terms of, uh, I think the ability to rid yourself of physical sexual shame directly translates into the the liberation from self-doubt and oh, yeah. self-shaming, like undervaluing yeah. you know, all of this yeah. stuff. I mean, it, it, it crosses over into how we talk to our partners, how we talk to our colleagues. I mean, that empowerment. Yeah, how we talk um, to ourselves. Yeah. yeah, that empowerment translates over into all the relationships and how we carry ourselves in society and how we make our next moves. And um, our next move is, you know, we want to eliminate that shame for everyone else. Awesome. And final question, what does it mean to you to be a woman? Oh, wow, that's a good question. (laughs) Um, I think ever since I was a little girl, um, I, I always go back to like when I was a little girl and I didn't see the difference between men and women. And all I knew was that I was strong and I was always a fighter and I was always a thinker and a maker and an inventor and to me it's not I don't know if it's yeah maybe it is being a woman but it makes you a little bit more special because we don't expect that from women for them to be so strong to be such good fighters um, and to have such poise while we do it <laughs> awesome well thank you so much awesome yeah thank you <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to Her Voice. At The Glow, we believe that her voice matters. We're redefining the dominant narrative, one voice at a time. If you have a story or struggle you want to share, head over to theglow.org. I'm here for you to listen, to guide, or just to hold space. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love your support with a review on Apple Podcasts. Share your favorite quote on Instagram at Glow Voices, and you can find me at Lisa Carmen Wang. Never forget, your voice matters. <laughs>